Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, October 2nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Another college football weekend is upon us, and if you're in Kansas City, it feels like football weather, doesn't it? Today, we're talking with the beat writers. Suichi Tirada covers Mizzou, and the Tigers are headed to Tennessee. Not a bad effort from Missouri last week against Alabama in Eli Drinkwitz's first game on the Tigers' sideline. How will Mizzou fare against an opponent that isn't ranked second nationally? Callis Robinette breaks down Kansas State's home contest with Texas Tech, and we take a look back at last weekend's tremendous victory over Oklahoma. Is there a game on the Wildcats' schedule they can't win? I don't think so. But this game against the Red Raiders is a little tricky. We'll tell you why. Gary Bedore follows Kansas, and he'll be at Memorial Stadium on Saturday to see the Jayhawks take on Oklahoma State. KU will play in front of fans for the first time. Who will they see at quarterback? Gary tells us who that is likely to be. So let's get going, talking college football. Suichi Tirada covers the Tigers. Suichi, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Getting actually packed right now for a Knoxville road trip because we, uh, at the start, we understand what it means to be at the game, so I'm excited to be out there. Absolutely. The The, the sad part is, I, first of all, I take it you had not, you've not been to a game at Neyland Stadium? This will be no, your first? Yeah. Now, and and uh, what, what a... How unfortunate that the fans, you know, won't be there. Certainly in full force, where there's more than a hundred thousand. It's a great setting, great place to watch college football, right on the Tennessee River, and uh, you can see the the Vol Navy there. Um, come, maybe maybe that'll still be part of the uh, part of the show. But uh, it's a very cool town, very cool place to watch college football. I, I wish, uh, and maybe one day you'll get the full experience of that, but uh, not quite this time. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, based on the pictures I've seen, it, it kind of reminds me of the big house, actually. Very cavernous, a lot of bleachers. It, it's it's really big and, you know, obviously over 100,000 people capacity. So I have been at a sold-out game there, Michigan, Michigan State, at the big house. So I'm hoping Neyland Stadium will be kind of something similar to that, minus the fans. So they will have, I, I believe, 25% capacity. I'll be interested in your impression of just, you know um... – so there'll only be what twenty five k there. Um, to me, Michigan, the big house. When when you cover a game there or watch a game from the stadium, it doesn't seem like it's a hundred thousand. It's to, to me, it just seems smaller. But you know, it's just the, the rows just keep going, go, going, and going. But Tennessee is different. Tennessee does seem like it's huge, huge. And uh, um, again, you know, the checkerboard end zones. You, you'll you'll get a kick out of that. All the stuff that you've seen on TV over the years. Yeah, it's neat that you get to go see it. So, all right. So the Tigers go to Tennessee, coming off the Alabama loss, thirty-eight to nineteen, because they didn't attempt the extra point at the end of the game. Not that it was going to matter, um, but uh, they get the touchdown on the final play. Don't kick the extra point, but leaves it thirty-eight to nineteen. A respectable score. Do you think that the Tigers played respectably in that game against the nation's number two team? Yeah, you should ask Jeremy Pruitt that. He actually was on the SEC teleconference yesterday, and he said, and I'm quoting Jeremy Pruitt, um, he said Mizzou dominated Bama in that second half. And I guess that's what he, yeah, dominated. I was like, whoa, let's get this tweet out here. Um, (laughs) So I was like, whoa, okay. I guess guess, uh, on film, Mizzou did some uh, good things that we're not seeing from a coach's perspective in that second half. But I think, yeah, I mean – just because you've seen what can happen in sports, and, and I don't mean just you know twenty eight to three Falcons and all that kind of stuff, but I also mean you look at what happened with K State. Like just because it is maybe a big deficit, 
he can always come back from that. And based on what Drinkwitz said this week, like he he genuinely believed that. Like he essentially he said, um, you know, what 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 would have happened that coming out of that second half if they didn't fumble in Alabama, didn't score, and and I guess he has a good point. Like if Mizzou had gone on to at least put up a scoring drive, it, it would have made it you know a little bit closer coming at coming into the second half or out of it. So I, I think Mizzou fans or Mizzou, Mizzou fans should feel good just because, hey, you know, it, it is Bama. It is hard to kind of measure success against the number two team in the country. And I think the difference between Bama and teams like Oklahoma is just that they're so, like, they won't get upset to maybe inferior competition, I think, in, in the sense that, like, Oklahoma did to K-State and, you know, props to K-State and everything, but it just seems like Alabama is a well-oiled machine and they weren't going to stumble like LSU did as well. So it's just one of those things where it feels Nick Saban-proof, I guess, and, and especially in those season openers. Yeah. Well, I looked this up during the game, um, sitting sitting next to you and <laughs> uh, with your with your new do, by the way, which is, uh, which, which is striking, striking. Um <laughs> You, you know, one of the one of the NFL mock drafts, and, and those things change every day, right? Um, mm. The twenty twenty one mock draft, but one of them had nine Alabama players being taken the first round. Which, if that were to happen, it would be by far a record for one school uh, with a number of first round draft picks. But, but so I started started circling those guys on the depth chart, and you know, it was spread across the depth chart: two offensive linemen, two in the secondary, linebacker running back, um, defensive lineman, everybody basically but the quarterback, you know, uh, position represented. That's that's what Alabama is. And, you know, Missouri, you know, has has a terrific linebacker in Bolton, but it's just not the same. It's not the same when Alabama plays just about everybody. So I, I thought Missouri um, represented itself well in that game. And I know Eli Drinkwood said all the right things after the game about not being satisfied and, um, and, and playing to win and all that. But uh, and maybe you know it was it was left to us to write what we thought or talk about what we thought um, uh, Missouri's effort was. I thought it was a good effort, and I think it should be encouraging for Missouri as it go to Tennessee, which defeated South Carolina in Columbia on uh, in its opening game. Um, I, I, I give Missouri a shot in this game against Tennessee. I know the Vols are ranked. I know they're on the on the rise. Um, but I just they Missouri it seems to me matches up better against Tennessee than than it would Alabama, and I think you can say that about any any program. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great point, Blair. Uh, it's funny we talked to Mizzou defensive coordinator Ryan Walters yesterday. And really, his point that he was trying to kind of drive home was that let's let's not overreact to playing Alabama, and I think fans aren't doing that. I really do think they're not their expectations were low, but they they, they kind of came into it with realistic kind of a realistic mindset. So yeah, I mean it's it's a great point for Tennessee. Um, it's funny you talk to even Tennessee folks, fans, media. Um, they you know it, it's Tennessee, so in a sense that hey, we don't we don't really know what. They are in that one sense, and they are kind of perpetually overrated. They're one of those maybe three to four teams that gets ranked, and then you don't really, they don't quite live up to that expectation. I think when you look at Tennessee's long winning streak, I believe it's at seven games now um, from last year, and, and that included Mizzou's senior bowl, senior day loss to Tennessee last year. They haven't really beaten many great teams. I think maybe Indiana would have been one of them in their bowl game last year, and then obviously you're not really 
the Tennessee Tennessee folks aren't really going to look at last year and be like, look at what we did, you know. So it, I think they do match up well. I think uh, it, you look at Tennessee and their whole waiver stuff with Cade Mays and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's so kind of chaotic over there. But yeah, I really do think this can be kind of one of those things where it can be kind of a statement game or even a potential win for Drunkwitz just because the optics of it look great in the sense that you go into Tennessee, yeah, sure, they might not be what they were historically, but you go into Tennessee, you go into a very historic stadium, you you see that they're ranked, it's the second game of the season, like, if Mizzou can pull this off, and I believe they can, I believe the spread open at around 10 points, like, that's, you know, like, that would be a huge, just momentum-boosting win, and I think Mizzou has a great chance of doing so just because of, uh, what we saw out of that Bama game and how, honestly, I really do take kind of stock in the sense that they didn't really lay low and give up. And I know part of that was Alabama maybe went a little more vanilla, but I really do think they were building blocks out of that uh, Mizzou-Bama game that they can bring into Tennessee. All right, so what do we expect from the quarterback rotation? Or I don't even – rotation might even be too strong a word. Um, Sean Robinson got nine series and Connor Bazelak got two um, the first one, Basil Axe were the first one in the second quarter and then the final one of the game, and he took him on a touchdown drive on the final uh, possession of the game. So more of the same, do you think, against the Vols? Yeah, I believe so. I think the the big takeaway, I guess, from Drinkwitz's presser Tuesday was that he, he is comfortable playing with both, and I think I wish I asked him that, uh, you know, with those pressers on Zoom, you don't necessarily get to ask all your questions, but I'm curious to see how just scheme and play calls change with Bayes lacking compared to Robinson just because their styles are so different. Maybe you run a little bit more option stuff with Robinson and, and you run a little bit more pass plays with Bazelak, kind of spitballing there a little bit. But yeah, uh, we, we don't know yet. I, I'm very curious, you know, <laughs> who knows? It, it, Blair, it's, it's funny just because who who knows in the sense that maybe Bazelak plays uh, nine drives on Saturday against Tennessee. Robinson <laughs> only plays two. Uh, maybe it'll be more of a 50-50 split. Who knows? You know, that's we just don't know. And, and Drinkwitz has kind of just left it up there that he might do kind of, not necessarily rotation like you said, but he, he will mix and match a little bit just because I, I thought it was kind of striking that when Bazelak came in on that first drive of the second quarter, that was actually planned. So Mizzou, you know, within the game plan, like they, they thought, hey, we're going to play two quarterbacks. And we're, we're going to see what we have. And Basilak, I mean, all he does is move the ball. You know, he picked even in that second second quarter drive. Like Blair, I think you and I talked about it in the press box. Like he had a wide open running lane on that third down, and I think he he probably would have picked it up. And I think he learned a little bit just because he scampered into the end zone as time expired. So who knows? Uh, you know, we haven't seen much of Basilak, but all he does is move the ball, and he hasn't. And he's led a touchdown drive now, uh, albeit on the ground and not through the air. But he 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 he. he He's shown some good things despite the limited time. Yeah, no, no, he he has, and uh, and look, if nothing else, it keeps Tennessee coaches guessing and having to prepare for for two different guys on on Saturday. So remind me, kickoff time eleven a.m. Is that what? Uh, yep, eleven a.m. Central. Central SEC Network. I do know time and time and TV because I get it on Twitter so much. Okay, all right. Soichi Tirada covers the Missouri Tigers for the Star. Soichi, great talking to you. Thanks, Blair. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site 
and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Kellis Robinette covers Kansas State, and he joins us. Kellis, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Blair. Good to be back. So are the Wildcats, have they come down off the off their high of the, the OU game? It was amazing. It really was. Um, I mean, you'd, you'd think so, given that they have the 24-hour rule or whatever where they uh, you know live it up as much as they can and then move on. Um, but I'm sure there's still some, uh, some pumped-up feelings about all this. I know just uh, typically when you go into a, a game week, um, you know, maybe Monday is spent looking back on the past game, and then Tuesday everybody starts spinning spinning it forward and looking ahead. That really wasn't the case this week. It was, uh, hey, on Monday let's talk about the OU game. On Tuesday let's talk about the OU game. We got some coordinators here later today. I'll be interested to see if uh, <laughs> if they get any questions about the next game. So it's kind of been an interesting week. It doesn't seem like uh, anybody at all is talking about Texas Tech right now. Well, and it, look, it was such an unusual game against Oklahoma to get down as large as Kansas State did. Didn't they tie the school record for largest comeback in a game, among other, yep, yep, you know, they it at twenty-one? Yeah. So, I, I, if, if there's still plenty of things to talk about for for that game, and and I don't blame uh, Kansas State folks for for wanting to uh, keep that keep that game foremost in their minds, but. There is an interesting game on Saturday against Texas Tech in Manhattan, 2.30 kick, Fox Sports 1. Um, the, the Wildcats have had a lot of success against this program over the last few years, but I was pretty impressed with what Tech did last week against Texas, at least in the beginning, uh, uh, you know, until the last, what, five minutes or so. This is a um, – uh, they, they, better, they better be ready to play these Red Raiders. Yeah, this seems like a little bit more motivated, more focused, whatever word you want to use for a team than the Red Raiders have brought in here in the past. Um, I think it's a little dangerous to look at what they did against Houston Baptist, barely winning that game, because, I mean, just look at what happened to everybody who lost that week one game. Iowa State turned around and then beat TCU. Kansas State turned around and beat um, Oklahoma, Texas Tech went from, you know, barely scraping by against the SCS school to just about beating Texas. So I think you got to write those things off entirely and just look at, at what this team did last week. They were, I mean, uh, if they had not just completely collapsed against Texas, this game would be for first place in the Big 12 standings right now. And it would be a very interesting matchup of teams that were just coming off huge wins against Oklahoma and Texas. I, I think, uh, you know, Matt Wells does bring a new maybe calming presence to Texas Tech. He, his focus is a little bit more on defense than, than Kingsbury ever had in, in Lubbock. But it, you're right. Um, for whatever reason, Kansas State has just owned Texas Tech. They've won eight of the last nine. Patrick Mahomes came in here and couldn't even win. It's uh, It's been a very lopsided and one-sided matchup. Yeah. Well, it, I think you make a good point about the the teams, the those Big Twelve teams that struggled in their opening game. They not only had 
you know, um, they not only played better the following uh, game, they had an extra week to think about it and to stew over it. I, I always think that that's a, uh, that's a significant factor. If you've played, if, if you feel like you've played poorly in a game and you have an extra week to prepare, the message gets reinforced that much more. And it obviously was the case in, in the, the examples that you mentioned. And it was especially true for Kansas State winning, winning at OU. Let's, Let's um, let's talk about the guy that everybody's talking about, and that's that's Deuce Vaughn, the running back. What a what an outstanding player he is after a, you know, just a couple of games worth of of, of evidence. But um, he is shaping up to be quite the quite the star player for the Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, there, no ceiling is too high for him right now. You hear people say the sky is the limit all the time, but shoot, for a guy who comes in and puts up 245 all-purpose yards, scores two touchdowns in his first two games, and is just uh, making play after play against Oklahoma. Boy, uh, I mean, get as excited as you want about this kid. Um, Kansas State really worked their magic recruiting him out of Round Rock, Texas, a place that uh, any, any school down there could have had him. But Kansas State had the uh, foresight to look past his his build. He's only five foot five. Decided, you know what? He's got a lot of talent. He's mature for his age. We think he can play here just like Darren Sproles did. And he, he's been, you know, at, at that level so far, uh, arguably he's he's got to be one of the best, if not the best, true freshman in the country right now. I can't imagine anybody else out there has put up numbers as uh, as strong as he has. And it's 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 been kind of kind of crazy to watch. I tried to temper everybody's expert expectations with them just because, you know, it's crazy. It sounds crazy to compare a true freshman to Darren Sproles and who knows if he can live up to that, but he's, uh, he's arguably been their best player through two games. Well, he, he had a few other offers, right? Besides K-State, uh, Texas wasn't one of them, even though he's from near Austin, as you said, but he did have some other offers uh, and ended up coming to Kansas state. Can you remind us a little bit about his recruiting story? Yeah, I'm pulling up his rivals page right now. So I want to make sure I get it right, but he, he did um, get some attention. Um, he was a little bit like Joshua Youngblood, who had uh, a lot of offers, but no real huge ones. I'm looking here. It says his, uh, his main competition was from Air Force, Arkansas, Army, South Florida, and Missouri. So Missouri was one team that uh, Missouri and Arkansas would be probably the two most comparable teams to Kansas State right there. Um, so that that's, you know, it, it's an interesting it's interesting that I guess based on that, no Texas schools really showed enough interest on him. Maybe they came in late and showed interest, but by that time he's locked in to Kansas state, I guess that's something we'll have to, to ask Deuce about here at some point, but um, it, it's just always fun to go back and look at some of these players, especially a guy like Deuce who, because he's five, five, you would figure that chased away some, some players, but it's always fun to look back and say, boy, um, you know, what, what could have been, I wonder if all these other schools would have uh, taken notice in them. But I mean, that's typically the type of player Kansas state has, has thrived on over the years. And they found another one with, with Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. A little bit undersized, um, you know, just maybe a little smaller in stature than, than um, uh, th- that would chase away uh, a Texas or an Oklahoma or an sec school, perhaps. Uh, although you did mention right. Missouri. I, I guess was, the thing that surprises me a little bit that he wasn't, uh, more highly recruited was just that he, he does have a good, you know, family lineage. His father is a former player, former coach. He's a scout with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, typically when you have, when you have that and the monster numbers he was putting up uh, in high school, those two things together at least get 
um, some local attention, but hey, uh, it's Kansas State's gain and other schools' losses right now. Right, right. Hey, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the bounce back game for Skylar Thompson and where he goes from here. Um, he was just uh, you and I spoke about this earlier in the week, but just the more I think about it, the more tough as nails he was in that game. And I know you wrote this week, and he spoke to the media just about what it is that um, what it is about big games that that seems to bring out the best in him. What a good quality that is to have. Yeah, um, I just remember one other thing I want to say about Deuce before I get to Skyler, but sure, um, it will be interesting this week to see how he handles being, you know, in the spotlight. So I think he did sneak up on Arkansas State, and I think he snuck up on Oklahoma as well. But uh, Matt Wells was just raving about him all week. He's the first guy he talked about. Texas Tech, I guarantee you, every time he touches the ball, everywhere he lines up, their defense is going to be saying 22-22, let's stop that guy. So, yeah, you know, the secret's out on him. It's time to see how he can handle uh, the attention of being at the top of uh, a scouting report as a true freshman. I can't imagine that's easy. So um, that's good Good information for fantasy uh, players who, who are looking <laughs> to start uh, uh, Deuce Vaughn this weekend. Right. Uh, I mean, hey, maybe he can overcome it. Maybe he even has a bigger day. But um, I, I imagine Texas Tech's defense is going into this game saying, let's not let that dude beat us. Um, and I'm sure they probably are saying the same thing about Skylar Thompson after last week, too. I mean, he, he had, uh, I thought, a quote that really um, summed up his whole career at Kansas State better than anything else when he, when he said, I live for big games. That guy's been a real giant slayer for Kansas State, beating OU twice, beat Oklahoma State. Um, he's led Kansas State to fourth-quarter comebacks against Texas Tech, against Iowa State. When you when you push him into a corner, um, that's, that's not what you want to do with him because he comes out punching and seems to have a really good track record in those situations. And that's one reason why, looking back, I kind of wish I'd have given Kansas State a little bit more credit going into the Oklahoma game. Um, you know, I, I gave him at least some shot of an upset, but I, I wish I'd have picked a closer score just when you think about um, every time somebody's doubted Skyler, that typically the next week he comes out and plays his best. And he did. He came, came through with a 300-yard passing game, uh, had some nice rush, rushing touchdowns in there, and – you know, now I guess we get to see if he can um, get just as pumped for a medium-sized game against Texas Tech, because if he could play that game that that way every week, um, that they wouldn't have much trouble with teams like Texas Tech. So I, I would say Saturday's game is not quite a you know take care of business game for Kansas State. I, I think it's closer than that. You know, take care of business game is is a game that I tend to define as one where the, the, the team is favored by, I don't know, a touchdown or more. That's not the case here. It looks like a, you know, a, a small line, Kansas State favored by two or three, I believe. But um, it could be a competitive game, and, um, and, and we'll just see where, where K-State's emotions are after, after last week's uh, fantastic win over Oklahoma. Callis Robinette covers the Wildcats for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. Kellis, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I definitely am a little nervous about this game. You mentioned the three-point looking here. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I, I think it's a little bit of a trap game. Definitely can't overlook Texas Tech. So it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Gary Bedore covers Kansas for the Star. Hi, Gary. How you doing today? 
Good, Blair. Thanks for having me. I hope you're okay today. Yeah, I am. Um, so before we get into uh, the game and the quarterback situation for the Jayhawks, let's, let's just talk about the uh, the stadium itself. It's going to have fans in it for the first time. I guess KU announced that earlier, but we got a little more clarity on how many people and the student ratio. Tell us about how they're going to handle the fans for Saturday's 2.30 game against Oklahoma State. Well, they'll have uh, 10,000 fans and 1,000 will be students. Uh, and the seating is um, socially distanced. You can see um, the pattern. They've got blue chair backs set up with uh, specific ticket numbers on the person's tickets. So um, it's spread out throughout the whole stadium, 10,000. And uh, Jeff Long just stressed yesterday that the fans need to abide by the guidelines because there will be some people from Douglas County and KU's medical team checking to see if they abide by the rules, which is you're supposed to wear a mask unless you're eating or drinking. uh, And you've got to stay in your seat. You know, some people might, want to go to the 50 yard line, just move around on their own, but you got to stay in your seat. And, uh, they do have a way that if you're in a, a family of four, they all can sit together. I guess, uh, it's on the honor system, you know, but it's not like every seat is just six feet apart. Family units, I noticed yesterday when I looked at the stadium, the seats are all together for certain groups that are normally together. So that's how they're doing it. 10,000 fans, 1,000 students. Okay. So we know that Kansas State has allowed fans into um, its home game. They had earlier and will so on uh, this weekend, and Missouri has as well. So Kansas did not allow fans for its opener against Coastal Carolina, but now will open it up up to fans. So a little bit more of a college football atmosphere at KU on Saturday. Let's talk about what they're they're going to see. First of all, in Oklahoma State, they'll see a team that's nationally ranked that it looks like they're going to have – their quarterback Spencer Saunders back. Um, yeah. What about the Kansas quarterback situation? It's it's been kind of interesting through two games this year. And who, who's going to well, first of all who, who's going to start? Do you think on on Saturday? Well, I would say since the freshman Jalen Daniels, who only played one series in the opener, but played start to finish at Baylor, would get the nod uh, because you would think less Miles would have taken out Daniels since it was a blowout and given Miles Kendrick a chance in the second half had he not, you know, changed over and now committed to the freshman. The other guy is Thomas McVitie, who lost his job because of injury. He hurt his shoulder or his arm against Coastal Carolina. So less Miles in his media availability this week didn't rule out McVitie. So, and he also said they could go with two again. Miles Kendrick, who played well in the opener, apparently is the odd man out because he doesn't get mentioned at all. It's, it's so 
I would say Jalen Daniels opens, and if he does well, he stays in. I would, but if McVitie is healthy, we might see a little of him. But it's the third straight week of a uh, quote quarterback controversy, or whatever you want to call it, at KU, and it hasn't helped them in week one and two in being mysterious. Uh, no, no. Now you can you can always make the case that by not naming a starter that you're you're giving the opponent you know something to think about and they have to prepare for multiple options at quarterback but on the other hand if you don't name a quarterback and you've already had three guys taking snaps in two games and two yeah. different starters then you know do you have you know do you have your quarterback i I don't know. I, I know that the Jayhawks are are high on on uh, on Daniels as yeah. as the future for the position, and maybe maybe with the evidence we've seen from the first two games, this they would be the program would be best served by just having him get comfortable and uh, get experience and and be the quarterback of the future. Something that I can't remember the last time Kansas thought they had a you know, a quarterback that they could build around going forward. So I don't know, yeah. I don't know if Daniels is that guy, but I, I know good things were, you know, he, he came in with a good reputation and yeah. he had some moments against Baylor. Yeah. And it'd probably be good to give him a home game <clears throat> since uh, he led two TD drives, which is not many, but he overthrew parchment, which would have been a touchdown early and uh, he had Velton Daniel, Velton Gardner drop a sure touchdown toss. So uh, get him at home. If KU takes a 7-0 lead like they did at Baylor, it might add some intrigue and excitement. And uh, who knows? Les Miles insists that Daniels is really, really a top prospect. He's not really tall like you know, some quarterbacks. So we shall see, but I'd be really surprised if he doesn't start, you know, that, that wouldn't make a lot of sense, even though McVitie did lose it because of injury. Uh, the way things are developing, I think Daniels probably will open the game. Gotcha. Okay. And you'll be there with the coverage and we will talk to you again next week, Gary Bedore. Thanks for joining us. Thanks Blair. See you. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Suichi Tirada, Kellis Robinette, and Gary Bedore for stopping by and talking college football. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, every day you hear me talk about the Sports Pass offer. You know, 30 bucks for years are worth of sports coverage, and that includes the E-Edition that has so many sports pages you don't have time to read it all. Today it has four separate sections of sports. Well, now we have an even better deal. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. And after three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. So two deals on the table, 30 bucks a year offer still stands, and now there's 99 cents per month. You cannot beat that. Hey, there's also the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these can be found at account.com. 
kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkhoff, that's K-E-R-K-H-O-F-F, at kcstar.com, and we'll get you to the right place. Listen, whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with a new edition, Talking Chiefs Patriots.